Hello, I'm Mukala Kabongo live from Lynn, Massachusetts, and I'm on the chopping block at visceralchange.org. Listen to what we do. I don't have anything to say. No, wait, wait. I'm nervous. Yeah. It's your easy listening station. <laughs> You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. You're listening to the chopping block. On the Visceral Change Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of the chopping block. Sherrod Robbins, happy to be here. I got a very special guest in the building to quote DJ Envy, my man Mukala Kabongo. As I call him Mook for short. Mook, what's going on, man? How you feeling? You know, I'm I'm just out here living, man. I'm out here <laughs> enjoying enjoying life, staying uh staying COVID free. You know, got another staying, negative staying test. Stay staying healthy, man. It's you know it's and it's nice out, so I can't, I can't be mad. You're back there on the East Coast, right, Massachusetts? Yeah, where you uh where you abandoned? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, you said, I'm up out of here. I had a I had a I had a transition, you know, yeah. on the phone west, went south first, then came west. Yeah. You said you had another negative test. You t- you got a test regularly or, or what? Yeah, I, you know, I always gotta get these tests, man. I be around I'm always around people too much with the high school basketball. I mean the fall basketball leagues, the high school football. It's just the and then being out enough, in, huh? Yeah, and being out in public too. So like always we always have events to film. So, Fair yeah. enough. You gotta be responsible with it. I think we all can appreciate that. And so you're the news director of, of Lynn Community Television, right? Yes, yes, sir. News director here. This is a it's funny how I actually ended up in this position. So we're gonna I, get I to that. Here. We're gonna get to that. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's a funny story, but yeah, I'm news director here. Also, we we host the sports program. I'm the host of the sports program with my man Todd. Okay. Uh, and then and just a bunch of stuff here. Doing, we're gonna, doing a whole lot. We'll chop it up for sure. We got plenty of time. I know the the audience and, and my listeners want to hear that. So um really looking forward to to bringing that to fruition and so folks can know a little bit more about you and, and some of the good stuff that you're doing. But let's take it back to the beginning. I always like to to try to give my audience, my listeners a little bit of a a, a somewhat of a comprehensive look of who's in front of us. Uh, so um Mukala Kabango, a nice, strong, rich. Congolese name and you know you and your family moved here from the Congo when you were young how much of that journey do you remember actually and and what did it mean to grow up sort of transitioning into a new country you know I I remember I have like I have memories you know when you have like flashbacks and glimpses and then certain things just <laughs> come course. back full force so of course. I, re- I remember being there in Congo from the early part of my childhood there was a lot of, we did a lot of walking, a lot of walking. And you know, your kids were just out there playing. That's mainly what we did. Me and my sure. brothers just out there playing. And then it was just one day, one day I'm going somewhere with my mom. She leaves me off at the airport and I'm looking at her. Like, what's going on here? And she's like, she tells me, oh, you're going on, a, you're going on this plane. I'm not going with you. Anymore. Wow. But yeah. So I'm just looking at her, you know, I'm six years old. So I just start crying. I get on this plane and I'm sitting next to a white guy. First time ever seeing a white man in my life besides wow. on TV. Yeah. A white man that spoke French. <laughs> <laughs> Too. So uh, what do you call those people that, that, um, that, that go to the flights with the children? The, like, mis- um, like missionaries? No, like they uh, guide the children 
to where the, wherever the destination oh, is. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant folks who were doing the work. Uh, yeah. Don't know. Yeah, I guess he was one of those. He was one of those folks. So he was the person that had to look out for me. So, you know, and I remember getting to my, getting to Boston, landing in Boston, and my uncle picked me up and everything was just, you know, go to my uncle's house in Boston and stay there for a while. I meet my dad for the first time and I'm just looking at him like, who is this guy? Because he left when I was young. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, so I'm just looking at him young, like, yeah, in the story. yeah, yeah. So I don't know who he is until they wow. tell me who he is. So it was, it was an interesting transition for me. And did you, did you, uh, did you get right to Lynn, Massachusetts? We got, we got to Lynn probably a few months afterwards. Okay. So you stayed in the city for a while yeah. in Boston. Yeah, we were, yeah, they lived in Roxbury. So okay. We yep. were in Roxbury for, a, we was out there for a little bit and, and at the time, my two older brothers had already came here, so they was already came. came they here. had, yeah. You had some 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 folks who can kind of guide you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So my oldest brother, he's he's four years older than me. Then the middle, my middle brother, he's two years older than me. Me and him are, me and him were always together. So we went to school in Congo together, right? And all that. So me and him were together. So and then my mom came probably three four months after after us, and then I think that's when we came to Lynn. Gotcha. And and did you have to pick up the language or or did you already have some of that down? English? Yeah. I ain't know a lick of English. You know a lick. <laughs> a lick. A lick. The cool thing was my the cool thing was my cousins, they were older, so they would talk to me. They they talk, they speak to me in English. So you kind of started picking it you up. Start picking but, it up. Right. Yeah. But but they it's threw one. me in the fire real quick. It's the best way to learn, man. It's, English is one of, the, one of, if not the toughest language to learn, they say, you know, for, for various reasons, all the, all the different rules. Uh, so you, you wind up settling sort of, if you will, in Lynn um, a couple months after you, you touched base in the United States. And, you know, if you look at the demographics, right? So my, some of my audience knows, not everybody, but, you know, and as you already pointed out, right, I am from Massachusetts as well, from the sort of the next city over from you, Malden. Um, and so we know Lynn to, to look a particular way, but the demographics actually have Lynn majority white, which you really wouldn't expect when you grow up in, you know, in the projects or in, a, in a, yeah. an adjacent city. And, but then we also have yeah. like 12% black folks and 7% Asian folks, and it has a pretty heavy Asian population today, right? And, and that's yeah. diverse really by Massachusetts standards. Um, so uh, tell me about how your experience in Lynn now Sort of shapes your development and your growth, whether it's through race, whether it's through class, whether it's from from uh, transitioning to a new country. Talk about that journey. Yeah. So with with Linda, you know, Linda is a city of a hundred thousand people. Linda's a big city. Sure. So we were mainly in the downtown area of Linda, and the area we grew up in, it was you got a whole bunch of just a whole bunch of different races there. You got. You, got, you have a black neighbor, you have a Spanish neighbor, you have a Cambodian neighbor, you have an Eastern European neighbor. Uh -huh. So it's, we have everybody over there, but then there's like a whole nother side of Lynn that's not like that. Right. And that's one side we never went to. Right. I didn't know exist until I got older, but growing up in Lynn, you just learned that there were different types of black people. I didn't know nothing about Haitians, Jamaicans, none of that until... <laughs> Until I met some, like one of one of our one of our best friends that lived across the street happened to be Haitian, and because I'm looking at it, oh, they black, they black, we're all the same and stuff. But it's <laughs> right, like, right. Oh, it's, that's that's not the case. We, we may be the same, but we're the cultures are different. So it was that, and it also helped that one of my teachers, 
my ESL teacher, he was also Haitian and he happened to be a pastor. And this is all just a big coincidence. He right. happened to be the pastor at the church that the, my friend across the street lived at. Oh. Yeah, so he was one of the pastors. So one day he invited my mom to the church and we went there. That's how we got, and we got connected into the Haitian community. Oh, okay. And, and so all that, yes. Yeah, started building those bridges. And then that's how we just started making friends. A whole lot of the friends I've made were, were pretty much from that church. Even folks that weren't Haitian attended that church at one point. Sure. So, yeah, so it's, it was, we were just getting a whole learning about each other. I'm learning about their culture. They started to learn about my culture. Right. And, and then when you pick up, we start going to school. Now I'm seeing, okay, now I'm seeing Asians, like Cambodians, Vietnamese, Chinese, right. Right. all that. So now, now I'm seeing a whole different group of kids that I wasn't seeing beforehand, you know, because we were, by the time we got here, school was like halfway out. Right. So when we first started going to school, now I'm seeing these different cultures. So I'm just, I'm seeing, okay, this is very, this is different. And this is interesting because now you're looking at everybody's different, but then you kind of, everybody's kind of similar like yeah. The cultures. <laughs> yeah. The cultures, the way that their parents raised them, the, the ethics, and it's all similar, but just a little different. And right. That's, that's so unique. And, and so uh, you kind of slipped in how your mom sort of sent you off to, to school. So your mom wound up coming then to, yeah. to the U.S. How long after? Then? My mom came, it might've, my mom came around the summertime. She came okay, around, so came she, it wasn't years later she wound up coming. No, no. Gotcha. Yeah, so it was, was the summertime. So, and now she has to, she has to get in, in, in tune with the, with the nation and with the country as well. You know, she's fresh out she's trying to figure out what she's gonna do like one of her goals was boys, yeah. raise boys find a career find a job too because you know you just come here don't know the language and you want to you want to work and trying to figure things out so right it was a, it was slow process for her her it was a lot harder for her than it was for us because she had to find work and learn yeah. the language all this other stuff all we had to do was go to school and plus, you know, the multitude of identities she's bringing with her, being a woman, you know, and a mom and, and you know, coming from Congo and, and just a bunch of other stuff that that is on top of that. So, so interesting. I, uh, were you ever able to capture over the years in conversation with your mom, sort of what her reasoning for sort of sending you and the boys and just really moving the family to the U.S. was? Uh, she hated it over there. Okay. She didn't, she didn't like it. She didn't like it over there. She was... Every time I talk to her, because we haven't been we haven't been back since we left. Oh wow! Okay, that was yeah. one of my questions. <laughs> so yeah, we, okay. So one of the reasons why she says she had so many bad experiences over there and just bad memories that she doesn't want to go back. Right. Uh, so coming here, she just wanted to get the best life for herself because her her goal was always to be a nurse. That was, that was her goal. So she was she. So she had to go to school too. So now she has to take these ESL classes. She got to figure out what she's going to do as far as schools and how she's going to, how she's going to navigate through that. And, you know, when she started school, she was, she knew English, but she didn't mm -hmm. know English like that. And now you're adding in, she got to work too. Right, right, right. And, and like I said, these confluence of identities and, and circumstances just begin to, to, to take, take shape. Um, and now you're really either playing catch up or, or as, yeah. as Loda Luck said, you get in the ring or get under the wing. Right? <laughs> One of the two. 
<laughs> I, I give it to her because she really, you know, for her situation and everything that happened with her, there was points where she could have just said, she could have just gave up just on everything. Out, right? Yeah, yeah just tapped out because it was so, it was so hard. And you know, when your relationship doesn't doesn't work out later on, but you get to that at a certain point, or you're not in the best relationship, it's like, right? I got I got worried about my boys. I don't know what's happening with my marriage because the person that brought me here, he was kind of doing everything, right? And so it was, it was weird for her trying to understand all that. Right, right, right. No, I, I, that's, and that's really one of those things that you can really only understand if you've gone through it. You know what I mean? So yeah. sh- shout out to mom Dukes for sure. How's she doing? She, she living well, healthy? Oh yeah, yeah. She, you know, she's, uh, she's still doing nurse, she's a nurse practitioner. So she's just doing that. And then she's, uh, she got the side business going on with uh, the real estate stuff. Okay. <laughs> then. And, yeah. And she, uh, she has a garden. So she runs a couple gardens, I think like Three Solid, or four yeah. gardens. Yeah. So she's that's honestly that's what she wants to do full time is the garden. Right. But she's just the work during the week is t- takes up her time. Gotcha. Uh my man moves getting some phone calls. You need to take those? No, no, the, everybody else got those. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, right. it's when, whenever we get these phone calls, it rings through all it them. goes around. Okay. I know some folks yeah. uh, just so the, just so the listeners know. Mook is in the office, so, you know, sometimes the phone's ringing, uh, but he's here with us. And again, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're a lifelong Lynn head, man. You know, you, you've, you're still yeah. there, right? Still, yeah, still I'm in still, Lynn, still. I'm still here. I, I try to, I try to, I got to leave here and there, too. I got to leave for a while. You got to, yeah, got to <laughs> catch your breath. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I'm still, I'm still here. It's, it's, uh, Lynn's changing. As you yeah. know, last yeah. time you were in Malden, you saw how. It's changing over there. Yeah, that, that G word. Yeah, that yeah. G word, man. It's, they just knocked out. They just knocked down a building over here. Uh huh. They were just knocking down, so that just means another, another high rise building or yeah. luxury Listen, apartment is coming. Coming through, coming through Malden this past summer, you know, to to visit the fam because they hadn't met my son yet at the time, uh, and so driving out there, getting into Malden, it was like, where am I? The, the exits yeah. on a highway change. I mean, everything was just a different. Yeah. And I hadn't been in a while. So I was like, yeah. this isn't the place I grew up. And, you, right. know, you know, what does that mean, though, Mook? I mean, is that, is this, is this for the better? I mean, talk to me. Thinking about your experience in Lynn and your journey, yeah. you, you know, that gentrification. What's the goal here? That's, that's a good question. That's what we're all trying to figure out. That's what the people that's been here for a while, for the longest trying to figure out because they're seeing all these new building, new apartments come in. They're seeing all these changes and none of it is for them. They feel right. none of it is for them right. because, because to be honest, not everybody makes this, these big salaries over here. Some people sure. are still working, you know, just on uh, working hourly. Right. That's how they get their pay and they can't right. afford these. They can't afford these places. And they've right. covering all these meetings. They've made it known that they can't. A lot of people in the city can't afford these high luxury apartments that they're building here. And <laughs> one thing I always say, you know, city's changing when you just see random people running or just riding their bikes yep. In, the, yep. in the middle of the day or at night. And that's you- what we're getting to. You made a strong point there. This idea of, <clears throat> excuse me, they're instituting these high rises, right? This idea of 
uh, to, to use the French word, ameliorating right the the, the city, but there are a slew of people who are like I, but I can't afford it. So when I think about gentrification personally, uh, you know, you talked about people jogging, and you talked about sort of uh, seeing the bikes come through, which is a a fair uh, distinction and and way to look at it. I I've always likened it to to like the skate parks that are popping up out of nowhere. You used to have the basketball courts. And once that basketball court went down and the skate park came in, that always told me that, oh, you know, the the the, the, the gentrifiers are on their way, you know, and it's yeah. it's really interesting uh, when you see that. You know, so yeah. having that and all, not only not only I'm sorry to cut you off, not only when you see not only when you see the skate parks, but when you see certain stuff being done to the roads. Actually. Right. Right, you like see, the bike lane. You mean? You see, yeah. yeah, you start seeing you start seeing bike lanes being done. Then you start seeing it, as you said, you start seeing the basketball courts being start getting taken down. Now, <laughs> so now you start looking around, and and everybody's just like, "Oh, the wave is coming." Yep, it's on its way, and 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 folks like us, especially black folks, and, and we we know right, we know the signs. We know where it's coming from. We've seen this in all over the country in various forms, you know. Mm-hmm. And so as a lifelong sort of Lynn native, you have an understanding of the city and how it shows up. I just have a question, man. What's the difference between Lynn English, Lynn Tech, and Lynn Classical, man? Because <laughs> growing up across the way, we're like... This is, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is one question that always been... Even folks that live here, they've always wondered that why we have so many high schools well, Lynn Tech is a vocational school. Of course. So, yeah, you know, that one makes the, sense. They're, they're the only they're the only trade school. We also got a private school, St. Mary's. Okay, yes. Makes sense. That there, makes sense. Okay. I think. Now, <laughs> <laughs> so now we have Lynn English and Lynn Classical. And also we got a charter school too. Okay. I don't think I knew Kip that. Academy. Oh yeah, that one, that one was that's probably that's that's fairly new. The Kip Academy. Kip Academy. Okay. Yeah. So Lynn English is on east is on the east side of Lynn. Right. Lynn Classical used to be in West Lynn, and then they built the whole new building up in Kings Lynn. That's kind of like the saga near the Saugus line. Got it. And, and honestly, I can't tell you the differences. The only difference is they just want kids in certain regions to go that side of school, and then certain kids to go this side of school. I was and thinking about zoning. Yeah, it it's def, it definitely has to do with zoning. And then don't even get me started on middle schools. We have at least three or four middle schools as well, and all that. Gotcha. We have to, we have a lot of schools. And <laughs> That's clear. What what thing the folks, especially the athletes, that always question why we have so many high schools when we could have had we could have one high school, a big high school. Granted, because you see cities like Brockton, they got a big high school. Huge. Yeah. Every one big high school. Even Malden, Malden, Malden you guys pretty... have two. Yeah, Malden, two. you guys have one. You have two. You got Malden Catholic and, and Malden High. Right. But even Malden High is big, yeah. Yeah. So we we always look at all these cities, and it's just like it's kind of a disadvantage to us to have four or five different high schools, especially for athletics. Because in Malden, all all the players, they're either going to Malden High. Maybe Mal- maybe go to Malden Catholic, or if they're really good, they go to like St. John's Prep or another school like that. Yeah, but some almost sneak off like Pope John and them. Yeah, right. Yeah, but the but the majority of the talent 
stays within either same. Malden High or Malden Catholic. Right. With us, the majority of talent is all over the place. Yeah, but it stays within Lynn, you know, and you talked about Lynn being 100,000. And so, yeah. you know, I'm wondering if, you know, what, because I think about here in Tucson, I mean, yeah, you can do a trivia night on how many high schools there are, uh, but, you know, Tucson proper is, you know, 533,000 people and you incorporate the surrounding cities, you're at a million. Yeah. yeah. So, so that makes sense. But if I wonder if that makes sense because Lynn has so many people, maybe it's worth yeah, exploring. It's- yeah, I think yeah, it definitely has to has to do with zoning because I don't think they want people going so far away, you know, traveling so far. Because there's certain areas in Lynn that's really far to get to. So and, and let's let's also not ignore, you know, the role that redlining also plays in some of this too. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we 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 also don't want these folks over here, you know, in, in particular. You yeah, know? <laughs> and that and that particular that, that case could be made about Lynn Classical because. If you look at the, dem- the demographic that goes to Lynn Classical and you look at the demographic that goes to Lynn English and even Lynn Tech, it's really different. Like, right, right. Lynn English, Lynn English is probably the most diverse school in the in the city. Sure, I can and, see that. And Lynn Classical, not as much. I mean, they have they have the diversity, but it's not as much. It's in Lynn Tech, they're they're also very diverse too, just because you have so many kids that want to get into you know the workforce that that go there but even now they're doing enrollments right there's a cap to it they do there's a cap to it so kids that want to go there they can't even go there and if they want to go to st mary's i don't if they, if they parent got the bread to put up eleven thousand dollars a year then there we are right wow it's yeah man it's it's, it's it makes sense for the, the size of the school etc but you know i i understand you know your argument about you know the, the talent especially from a sports perspective which I always got to give, uh, I always have a special place in my heart for Lynn English, you know, because I, I got <laughs> I got a couple of firsts uh, as a result of, of, of just the presence, man. And it, I mean, yeah, you're welcome to recount the story, but, you know, just, just, when you... While, I'm, while, while I have the microphone, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Lynn, English, more... Lynn English was responsible <laughs> for, uh, you know, for me, you know, really getting to college in some senses. I mean, I was recruited off of a victory from them. And, uh, you know, oh. I, I uh, made the state tournament. Uh, well, actually, the second round of the state tournament, thanks to Lynn English being so gracious and, and uh, wanting their coach to retire early. And I was happy to assist in that any way I could. So <laughs> that, that was a funny, that game was quite hilarious. That game was, that game was just so hilarious. I think we had to, I think we had to win out a couple games to, towards the end of the season to get in the tournament. Y'all did. <laughs> that was a tough year, man. Yeah, it was. A, it was a tough year, and there was we had one senior on the team, but there was a bunch of sophomores and freshmen on that team. But that game, it was a pretty good game, but it was just it that was, ending. That it was. <laughs> that, I mean, I the the, the early O's high school hoop and mass. Because Massachusetts doesn't have the best market for that, for sports in general, yeah. um, but the early O's, man, we're we're talking like a, a hefty Charlestown team. We're talking a hefty Newton North, Lexington. I mean, it's uh, Duxbury. I mean, throughout the state. I mean, uh, you uh, a few a few folks uh, going to Quinnipiac, going all over the place. Uh, yeah, and even, so even Lawrence, oh yeah, Lawrence in there, powerhouses. And when Waltham, remember the Pressies were floating around at that that yeah. one particular year. They, they just wanted to show up and do some yeah, damage. Yeah, yeah. So it was a tough year all around. So credit, credit to folks. Yeah. Um, yep. 
<laughs> I still talk to it. I, every time I see my friend, I, I always remind him, like, remember when you got fouled? Oh, Nobody got fouled. <laughs> yeah, he, t- he, he hates when I bring that up because he gets so mad because he was like, yo, I got hit in my head. <laughs> like, but, uh, I mean, that's basketball for you. I mean, well, y'all, refs ain't, refs ain't going to decide the game, though. No, of course not. I hope not. And y'all, y'all played Lynn twice each year, right? Was there, were they Lynn Costco. I mean, not, sorry, not Lynn. Sorry, Salem in your conference a couple of years, right? Yeah, we played Salem. We played Salem. So um, we had to, we had to deal with we had to deal with them they, next. This was our first time ever playing them. Oh yeah, they had a uh, that run. They had Salem. I think they won the conference a couple of years in a row during that solid. time. Yeah, I know they had. I know they had some kids that went somewhere. I know the, the year before they had a kid that went to Harvard. He was pretty. He was. They were pretty good, but. Yeah, the matchups with Salem's are always good. It's just them dudes just wants they to get let, going. They can let it go. Yeah. They can let it go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Let's jump back on track here, man, because we can <laughs> talk about this all day. Uh, can so sticking back with Lynn, and then we're going to transition it's into a, into some more of your uh, in, your journey, right? As as you move into adulthood, a, coming from the Congo, and then into Lynn, into Boston, and into Lynn, and then kind of indoctrinating yourself into what's perceptively to be American life. Yeah. Thinking about it as a Black man, a Black boy at the time, can you recount your first experience with what might be considered uniquely American racism and other classist and systemic issues? Can you, the first time you were like, why am I being judged for, for looking like this or showing up in this way when this was never my experience? Can you recount something like that? Probably, you know, in elementary, when you get teased right. for your name. Right. Oh, yeah, and sure. All, and, and all that. I, that's probably the first. But me, the kind of person I was, I was just like, okay, whatever. I didn't really think much of it. But I think as I got old, maybe it started in, like, middle school or high school. My mom, no, it wasn't me. My mom, she went out for a job. And she was just trying to get a job. And they didn't they didn't give her the job because of her name, and wow. that she, and that and she couldn't and that she couldn't speak English that well. Like those were the two main re, those were the two reasons why she didn't get that job. And it wasn't like it was some, you know, some big time job. It was just you know just a regular job for her to work, make make a little money. That that's the first instance when she told me about that. That was the first time that I was just like, okay, this is. So this is it. Okay, this I see. I see how I see how this is gonna go. This is, right. This is interesting. This isn't how it's supposed to go, but I right. see. Yeah. Like, what and kind then, of reason is this? Right. <laughs> you guys have a now hiring sign. Somebody's <laughs> exactly. Here. Somebody applied, wants a job, and you're refusing to give it to them because of that. Because of their name, right? Yeah, and then, and then in school, it's like one time you got in trouble, and I was getting blamed for something. It wasn't, it, it was, it definitely was not me because I was in school, I was pretty much the quiet kid. That I ain't do nothing. It was some other kids that, you know, those other kids that <laughs> troublemakers, but they was looking at me like, like I did something wrong and I'm just looking at the teacher like, um, no, but the teacher's quite, but the teacher's questioning me. That's when you yeah. start seeing in education and you're just like, 
why are you questioning me? I don't even bother anybody in class. I just sit here and mind my business. Right. Why, why, why are you bothering me with that? So right. it, gets, it gets a little tricky. And one more incident that, I, that just popped into my head. This, yeah. this uh, has to do with our housing. Uh, one time we were living somewhere. We pretty much got evicted. The, wow. the landlord wanted to, he was trying to raise the rent. Oh, wow. The landlord, the, the landlord was trying to raise the rent. At the time, they were just... You no, know, he's this older white guy. He's trying right. to raise the rent on my parents. And my parents were just like, no, we're not going to pay that rent because there was no merit for him, reason for him to raise the rent at all. Right. You know, and they try to do that. So we pretty much got kicked out of that place. We had to live, we had to live somewhere for a couple months before we found somewhere else. I remember that. And I was just like, yeah, this I see these housing things and how this race could play a role in this because there was legit no reason for that. No reason. But he can't, right, but he can't outwardly discriminate, you know, and by saying because you're black, here's what's going to happen. So he has yeah. to, right, they find folks find subtle ways to, to do it. And you yeah. just look at it like you just look at it like this trying to make sense of it. Like, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Wow, exactly. Um, so then, right, you, so then your journey, right, you, 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 you begin to understand how society shows up and you, you adapt yeah. and you, you, you play the game as we talk about all the time. And then you find yourself at Salem State University, man, where we connect, uh, actually. I was working there myself as, as, an, as a grad student, as an assistant resident director, and I remember seeing you float around. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I was like, hey, yo, man, you should apply to be an RA because you were at the Men of Color initiatives that we were running. Uh, yeah. And I had the, the pleasure of leading a couple of those or leading a couple of different institutions, but leading them when I Salem State in particular. And I remember being like, yo, you know, you should, you know, connecting and chatting. I mean, you should apply, man, to be uh, an RA, you know, and, and, you know, if your name's on the board, I'll look out for you. I'll make sure you get on there. And which is yeah. what, you know, we, we worked together for a couple of years as a result. Um, talk about the time, man, just your time in housing, just for a little bit as, as an RA and, and what that meant for you. And, and maybe a little bit about, you know, all the journey you talked about coming from uh, living in Lynn and some of those experiences, how did that help you connect or, or mentor some students? No, you know how, even, how I even ended up at Salem. So I was at Curry, I was at Curry College before, and I just, Money reasons I couldn't stay at Curry. Pretty much, that was the reason. I did a year there myself, so I get it. Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't stay there, so I went. I went. Uh, I went to Bunker Hill, took some classes there. Then my friend just kept telling me to apply. He had graduated from Salem State. He just kept kept telling me to apply. He's like, they'll probably they'll accept you. You're you're black. They're they're most likely gonna accept you. What? <laughs> yeah, I, that was his reason. He was like, they'll most likely accept you because they're pretty. They're kind of they're pretty lenient with the students of color that applied it yeah so and he knew somebody that worked in admissions okay so I so I just ended up applying then I got there I think the first semester was just me I was just you know go to class go home go to work that's it go to class go home and uh and then that one day I was just roaming around and I saw that sign for the men of color I was like this this should be interesting and it was late too so I was already done with, with classes so I was just like let me stick around campus for this. So I stuck around there. I went to that and I'm just like, oh, some of these people I've just seen walking around. <laughs> right. Some of these people I've never seen before in my life. So I was like, this is, this is interesting. But that was a good startup for me, just getting more involved in the campus activities right. and getting, because college is all about networking. And right. that was, 
that was definitely a good networking thing. You know, met you there, met D Lane, met Jay was there too, right? Jay was there. Yep. Sean and, Newton. And Jay was, Sean Shout Newton, out to Jay, Sean, Sean D. Yeah, they, they were all there. You know, Alejandro was there, Irv. Met, yep. met some met some guys there. So that was that was interesting. And then through that, I was like, you know, let me there's not, you know, college is already has issues with uh, people of color doing stuff on campus. There's a, always like something that doesn't happen quite often, or if it does, it's not talked about. Like, let me just let me stick around, let me see what I can do and yeah. let me connect with these guys and help them out too if they ever need me. So, and that's how me and Sharon got connected. Started then I, I think this next semester I got the housing. Uh, I got yes. the housing thing. Yep. Second semester high. That's right. Yes, correct. Yeah, it was, it was the second semester. And that semester, it was just like, because it was second semester, it was like, uh, you know, I'm just here right now. Figure right. it out. <laughs> figure right, it out. right, right. I think the following year, the last year, I think that's when everything really started, you know, I got more immersed into helping out people on the campus, uh, getting more involved with the stuff you do. I mean, we had that Weekend warrior stuff yep. that, yep. that happened. We had... Uh, our game night at, at Shiraz. <laughs> of course, always. Shiraz's apartment. <laughs> and that whole thing, it just helped me get to the experience, the college experience, even though I was a little older. So I was just like, I was like trying to chill out and me just do Yeah, your approach was different. I mean, it was yeah. seasoned. And you help, you help guide folks. I mean, you were on the diversity floor. Your yeah, year, that, right? uh, and, which was also interesting. Some of them kids. <laughs> well, yeah, <'cause laughs> you're, you're spreading this message, right? That is... Yeah. At, at that time was really beginning to take off in the way we see it today. Not that it hadn't always been there. Um, just the, the presence of diversity was showing up in a different way around this time. Yeah. And the, some of those kids, some of those kids were good kids, but they were just a lot of confused kids that had no idea of anything about diversity. There were some that, that were interested and wanted to learn and some that didn't. You know, the ones that did actually came, they'd come yeah. to my room and they'll, they'll talk. They'll talk to me about it, and the ones that didn't usually, yeah, they the usually just come down up, the board, tearing down the board, just yeah, you know messing with people's stuff. And, <laughs> but that was all part of the campus experience. But I, I think I thoroughly enjoyed doing doing all that work because we right. did put together some good, some great programs, and yeah. there was there was some pretty good turnouts with some of those programs. That yeah, yeah. Well, and it's a big ups to you. Uh, Kristen was there. Maybe Janice was yeah, the Kristen. third. And Amber was on that floor. I yep, think it was, yep, yeah. Yep. So yep. shout out to all y'all, man. You all were fantastic and really, really pushed that to the next level. And Dr. Oliver, shout out to Dr. Yeah. Stephen Oliver, who was a faculty in residence there. Um, oh, yeah. That, that can't forget the good doctor. Can't forget the good doc. He's the man. He's the man. But that, yeah, the campus life was, was definitely very, because you get so many, especially college, there's so many different personalities so many different people from everywhere so right, just right. being a being a whole being a part of that and just uh, talking with the students well the, the students that wanted to talk because there were some they'll they'll see me and they'll just give me the head nod or they'll, they'll just wave and keep and it moving. Say, yeah right. keep it moving but then they'll there were those few that would always come in and talk to me and then those are the, the three the three girls that were down the hall from me they, they used to invite me to their room all the time just to, to show me the random stuff that they're doing in there or some random projects. I remember one girl, she had like, the, she was a, she loves sharks. I don't know why, but she loves sharks. And she had a Megalodon, like wow. a, a cut out Megalodon in her room. And I'm just right. like, why do you, why is it, 
I didn't know what a megalodon is was or is. <laughs> yeah. So she was explaining it to me, and I'm just sitting there, just like, wow, that Huge. is very that is very interesting. Huge. And you are the first person that actually educated me on sharks, and you're the first person I've met that loves sharks. You, you, all corners, man. All facets. Like you said, college has all walks of people. Right? <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was it was hilarious at the time, man. Some of them I still actually keep in contact with. It. Some of them I see around. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, but you, you form those relationships. I keep in contact with 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 a lot of y'all um, as well. So so without a doubt. Uh, so in along with obviously in in, in you know in concert with your time as an RA and as a sort of a, uh, in your student engagement side of the house, you were also completing your degree, which is why you went to Salem State in many ways in the first yeah. place. And you got your, you got your bachelor's in communication and mass media yeah. studies, right? From Salem State. And yes. then you went on to get your master's from Emerson College yes. in broadcast journalism, which by the way, is a wonderful school. We're talking company of folks like, you know, Bill Burr, right? Maria Menounos, Jay Leno, Dennis Leary, you know, folks like that. Uh, Henry Winkler, even the Fawns <laughs> shows up. Yeah. Uh, so. um, Sam, Sam Pressey, the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sam Pressey. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, uh, and, and, you know, and, you know, for Salem State, you know, Tom Thibodeau, we're talking about hoop, you know. Uh, yeah. So you talked about in the beginning, right? And in the, in the, we first started, like, how to even get into this is, is a story in its own right. Talk to me about that. Did you always want to be a journalist? Because based on your, at least your adult path, it sounds like you wanted to. Really, what started you on this path to, to getting to where you are today? At first, I wanted to do something in public health coming out of high okay. school. Okay. <laughs> first of all, then I took a public health class that was four hours long. You know, I was, I was, like, ah, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no. But the thing was, I was actually going to double major when I transferred. Okay. But Salem State didn't have a public health program. So I was like, you know what? Let me communications. Let me try this. Because I was, to be honest, I was watching um, I was watching a basketball game one time. And the play-by-play guy was talking. And then they were talking about what they did in school. Oh. And, one, yeah, one of them was like, oh, I majored in communications and stuff. I was like, oh, uh-huh. okay. If I want to do that, that's, uh, that's what I should major in. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got into that. I should have done more education on it because, man, this is a this field is hard. It's definitely a very difficult field. But did that, and then the Emerson College thing, how I ended up there. So I was studying for the GRE. I was studying for that, and then in the midst of studying, I was like, I don't really want to take a test to go to college. Mm-hmm. So I was looking up schools. Emerson was always the school I wanted to go to, mm-hmm. even most high school. So one day I just called emerson just to do a tour and the lady told me oh we don't, we're not doing the gres no more we're not it's not required anymore to take it to come yeah. here and that i was, was like around that time yeah yeah and i was just like oh okay and then she goes on to tell me like and we're changing our journalism program it's going to be an accelerated program not the two years but you know the 14 month program yeah. and i'm just yeah. sitting there like okay this is all designed for me yeah so i was like this is perfect so i applied got the recommendations and when they accepted me, I was like, oh, okay, this is serious now. This is really serious. Right. So, and I, you know, I I was still like, I still couldn't believe that I got into general. I was talking to my mom. I'm like, I can't believe they just accepted me and I'm going to grad school. I I can't believe that right now. 
it's a it's, wonderful feeling <laughs> when you think yeah. about like the whole journey itself yeah that just getting to that point but that's another place i i am so grateful that i went there happy with the professors and the people i met because you know the grad school journalism program especially accelerated one man it's not for the weak and if you don't have tough if you don't have tough skin and take can't take criticism it is not it is not for you because yeah yeah so much work in a short period of time you have to be really focused and they they really try to you know and they have a reputation so the school doesn't want to doesn't want to put people out there in the world that's not going to you know, represent them well in right. in their program. Sure. So, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it, and it was a it was a small class, but everything that we learned in that in that program that I learned in that program, I still I use to this day at at different time, different capacities with what I do now. And I was I'm just I was happy because not many I think not many African Americans black males get a second to get a master's degree. I think it's, I think it's, correct. yes, statistically, I, it's really low. So low. for me, yeah, it's for low. me, to, for me to be able to do that and just accomplish that was really great. And I, I think it was, it, it just shows, cause it just shows us, you know, when you put, actually put your mind to doing something, you could actually do it. Yeah, man. That, and I was, that, that I was, was excited to see it happen. That, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in, man. But, yeah. You know who was more excited? My mom was more excited. Of course. You should have seen her on graduation day, like the the day we were graduating. I was getting ready, and she was already up, and she's just it's huge. You know, she's just a big smile on her face. She's like, like, she's like, get up, get up. Like I got dressed, I'm getting ready to leave. She's taking pictures. She's just like, wait, 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 wait. Like making sure I looked right, just make sure. I'm like, oh, relax. Oh, that, that think about the you know the story better than anybody, yeah. man. Think about the journey for her. The and you know what's also cool is she got her master's and I got my master's too. So nice. Like she was first. She was the first to get it. She got hers. She got hers in 2012. Uh, okay. From from UNH. She oh, got nice. hers. Good. Yes. So she was. She was extremely proud that me that me specifically got one as well because you know the whole you know she named, they named me after her father. So mm, uh, yes. she, lots yeah. of significance. I mean, you know. It's almost it's also a sense of uh, affirmation in a way that's yeah. like, you know, I, I I brought us here for a reason, and and, and yeah. this is the reason why it's paying off. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so I I could see that being something there. Uh, let's yeah. let's talk about your job a little bit, man. Uh, as news director, what do you do? Yeah, you, you mentioned you oversee a couple of programs. Um, I had the pleasure of being on one after the whistle last year. Um. But talk to us a little bit about what you do and, and what's expected of you and how, you know, and, you know, what, what, Lynn community, what Lynn Community Television provides to the community in general. Yeah, so so let me just tell you how I even ended up with being in this position. So I started here, I was interning here when I was at Emerson, my last semester at Emerson. Mm-hmm. I was doing an intern here. I literally was walking, I was walking, I was going to school one day, going to the bus station, and I, and I just see this building, I see the sign. It was never there before. I see it because they, they were a whole different different entity before right. becoming in community television. So, and they, they had just moved to this location. So I just walked in and I asked if they offered internships and the director at the time wasn't here, but some of the guys that worked here, they were like, yeah, just come back tomorrow and talk to the director. So I did that, talked to the director, got the internship. 
he was really nice. He taught me a whole lot. And he was he was encouraging too, like to for me to be on camera to do camera stuff because I didn't want to do camera stuff beforehand. Right. And and then after the internship was done, he he came up to me one day. He's just like, so what, so what's next for you? What are you what are you gonna do? I'm like, like I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find out and see what's next. He's like, would you be interested in you know working here full time with us? I was like, um, <laughs> uh, sure, why not? Sometimes that's how it goes. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, because. Cause honestly, I didn't have no, there was like, there was no plan for after graduation. It was, right. you know, cause you're still, you're still searching for jobs and stuff. So I'm just like, you know what, let me just take this first job that comes to me and we'll just go from there. Right. Of course. Uh, yeah. So then he, as fast forward, he leaves, he becomes, he, he gets a teaching gig. So he's teaching mm-hmm. media at, at a middle school. Okay. And we, we get a new director here. And so the new director comes, we have a meeting and then he just, so he's just like, all right, guys, this is what we're, we're going to be doing here. We're going to we're going to start a news program. Mukala, you went to Emerson. You're going to be the news director. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. <laughs> Legit, just like that. And I was like, I'm like, OK, I guess I'm the news director. So we started with that. Wow. And so with that, I put together the shows. I got to write the I got to write the script, put together the rundown and all that and before we had somebody that was on camera that was doing it that was the anchor we had we had an intern here she was doing it so i was pretty much the person behind the scenes writing everything for her and and doing all the all the edits and all the b-rolls and all that i was doing that for her but then she she graduated she got a better job so i had this so i had to go on and be the anchor for a little bit so and then we had to get somebody else we had to find some other people to do it we had auditions. We had auditions and stuff. We did that. We found somebody. And then I don't know what happened. The lady said she had some other stuff. So it became another thing. We had to do it again. The cool thing was in this position, uh, going to networking events, I met some people. I met one girl. She was working at, she was like working at NBC. NBC. Yeah, NBC in Boston. She was working there. Yep. And she just wanted to do, she wanted to do more on camera stuff because she was doing behind the scenes. So I just told her, oh, just come on down whenever you have time and you could, you could be our anchor and I could help you do, um, do field work and stuff. Sure. You know, you, we go out. So she did that. She did that for like a couple months and she got a good job out of it now. Now she's like traveling the country doing oh, wow. NFL work. Wow. For that. Yeah. So and then since then, it's just been me doing the anchoring. I, I I write the scripts, I do the anchoring, I edit and all that. So that's one aspect of the job. And then the other aspect of the job is get, getting community community events. So me and another, one of my other coworkers, we go out. Whenever there's community events, we go out there, we film it, we produce pieces for it. And if there's, if there's forums, like right now there's elections, we're right. having our lo- local elections. Last night, I moderated a ca- I moderated a forum. So oh, wow. this is, yeah, this is my, I think this is my second time doing. This is my second or third time, do, doing these for moderating forums. So nice. we got three more. Yeah, so we got two more of those that I'm gonna be moderating. We did that, and yeah, that's that's basically it. We ha- I do a lot. They have me do a lot. Up, man, and the man. sports program and the sports program is just something that it was just an idea that the old director had. We both like sports and we just wanted to have a sports program and talk about it. And we just we just started doing it and it's becoming it became a it's become a pretty good hit. The student athletes like the segments. Of course. The segment, had a few the segment folks on too. Yeah. 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 You know, we try to 
we try to get it. Uh, it's uh, the thing I wanted to do with that with that segment was highlight the student athletes because I know back when I was in high school they had a guy who did it, but it wasn't it wasn't like to this extent. Like he, yeah, we he, he's either. still a, yeah, he's still around. Like he does he does the play by play and stuff like that, but he doesn't do the interviews with the student athletes no more. Right, I think it's I stopped. So what I want to do is just give them give them a little spotlight to just yeah, uh, highlight, and this is good for them. Because some of the stuff I do, uh, they can use it for college. That. Yes, exactly. Right, it goes a long way. That's 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 a great way to give back, man. Um, <clears throat> you're also a multi award winner um, for the work that you do within journalism. Uh, is there one that's most significant for you more than others? The, listen, there was actually this this award I got, this plaque I got earlier this a couple months ago. I wasn't expecting it. I was out. I was out filming something, and I remember the guy from the organization told me that they were going to do something for me because I filmed. Um, they had like they had a Super Bowl for their youth football program. Right. They had a day for a Super Bowl game, so I filmed a few of those for them. And then he just remembered. He told me one day they'll they'll just do something for me, and I'm just thinking, oh, they might just you know at their ceremony they might just you know do whatever. Yeah, just give me a right, shout right, out or right. something like that. So he saw me and he saw me and just, this was so coincident. He he was coming out of city hall and I was across the street finishing up about to leave and he cut him and his partners, they come up and then he starts talking to me and he's giving the speech. He's giving a speech and I'm just like, I'm looking at him like, and then after he's done, he's like, here's this plaque that we wanted to present to you for all the work that you've been doing in the community. And we just wanted to show our appreciation for you. And I was just like, oh, that completely, it completely caught me off guard. And I was surprised because I was not expecting it at all. So oh. I was just, oh, okay. I don't, I, I, could, I didn't even know what to say. I was just like, wow, thanks. <laughs> like, they caught me off guard with that one. So that, that one was probably the most, the most important one. Yeah, the community work, man, it, when you get honored for that, it goes a long way. I mean, it really, because in many ways, that's the goal, especially when you talked about yeah. wanting to give back to the students. Uh, yeah. Powerful. Um, so uh, I want to ask you a couple of critical questions here <clears throat> as we begin to close out this particular interview. Um, so uh, as a Black man and yet also a member of the media, mm -hmm. What have you seen, if at all, what have you seen that has either affirmed some of the beliefs that are out there within the communities of color in the black community about how the media really creates like a racialized narrative that's mm -hmm. extremely oppressive? What have you seen from being a, a part of the media now that affirms that? And maybe what have you seen that might challenge that, that makes you say, actually, this isn't as, this isn't as true as I once thought it was? Or does it, really does, it, does it favor one way or the other? That's a really good question. Okay, so I have a couple of, couple of examples. So in covering, in covering, um, so we, you know, there's a lot going on in Lynn. So especially with um, the elections coming up and covering them, it's not, so over for me, it's not more so the media that's making these racial divide or these racial antidotes it's the people okay it's, it's the people but they want to put the blame on the media so everyone complains about 
um, this is, I'm speaking about these elections. This is the example of these. So everyone complains about the politicians, how there's not many representations, you know, in, in, city, in city hall, within mm-hmm. the city council. But then when there's an opportunity to make those changes, to get the representation, the same people that argue, they don't show up to make the change. They don't show up to vote. Mm. And we do we do our parts because we highlight everybody. All every we make sure we highlight each candidate. If it's a white candidate, black candidate, Spanish candidate, Asian candidate, we highlight everybody. We let people know these are the people that are running. These are this is what their platform is. This is what they have to say, and it's just disheartening because the people after we do all this work and people don't show up to vote and even sometimes the people running they don't even take the time to utilize our resource our resource you know people always say the media doesn't do this the media doesn't do that but for us we give we give people the platform and we encourage them to come on and talk to us about your platform like we have candidate profiles where they could give us we could talk to the people specifically you know how many of these, some of these candidates did refuse or did not even bother to make appointments with us to come on and do their profiles so the public could know who they are? Especially, it was more disappointing for some of the candidates of color that didn't do that. Mm. And then and then we'll go on our Facebook page and then people will be trying to blame us. Like, why aren't you guys highlighting this person or this person? And we're just like, Yo, we've given everyone the same ample opportunity to come on and talk about their platform, why they're running. And so many, so many of these people, so many of these folks, they don't, they they want to blame us. So I have another perfect example. I was out at an event and one guy came up to me and he told us, and he told me that we're our our organization is biased against him. And I'm just why like, you say what, that? Are you ta- what are you talking about? So the guy he's running against, he's he's on the board member. He's one of the board members here. So when we do the, uh, the the pictures and stuff, we had to put like a disclaimer to let mm-hmm. everybody know that oh, this candidate is part of the board member of Lund Community Television. Right. So we put an asterisk ne- next to his name to, and then under a, a, it was an explanation why there was the asterisk there. Right. So the, the guy was complaining. He said, oh, he has two, he has asterisks next to his name and I don't. And I'm just like, yeah, because he's part of the board here and you are not. And, and he said that and then he goes, yeah. And then he goes on to tell me, oh, that's why I don't do, that's why I don't do do nothing with you guys or do or give you guys, give your platforms any opportunity to interview me. And I'm just like, you're only hurting yourself because of that. You can't, but so you so, can't blame us. So people, at least in, in, in the communities you're working with in Lynn, when people are, are expressing their concerns, they're doing so because they're not seeing their representatives or the folks they favor or even themselves on your channels and you're saying that they're not seeing themselves there because they're not taking the opportunity to you're you're extending yourself to them yeah but and the only people but so the people who are getting facetime with you all are coming to you or are accepting your extensions you're not necessarily saying hey okay so you're not playing favorites in that way no no we don't so like the our 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 guy that's in that's responsible for contacting everybody he has, mm-hmm. he, whenever he sends the, uh, an invite or any type of information that he needs from them, he sends them all emails and he makes sure he keeps the receipts. 
just gotcha. so that if anybody comes, if anybody tries to come and say to him, I didn't get, I didn't receive this, I didn't receive this, he can show them, I sent it to you this day, I sent it to you this day, I followed up with you this day, I called you this day. So he was doing all that. And it was just so many people still, like, even like to before the deadline, he made an effort to call them or email them, just did any type of form of communication he did. We even sent out newsletters to them, to their homes. And there's no way that they can say they never received anything because it, everything was sent out to them. But they they do this thing where they want to be a victim or they want to say they're not the media. You know, it's the media's fault. Blame right. the media. When all, when all else fails, it's blame the media. Blame the media. Yeah. 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 Uh, interesting. And it's it's the challenges, and I share this with people even in separate types of work, right? The challenge is trying to push past the history of of the media actually constructing yeah. images and, and, and narratives that are problematic. And so, yeah. you know, thinking about it from a legal perspective, if you will, the burden of proof is on like folks like yourself in yeah. the media to, to show that you're not going to be those types of people, which leads me to my next question. Um, what does activism look like in the media? Um, you know, thinking about your role as news director or anybody who you find yourself in in relationships with you know yeah. co-workers wise it's easy to say what activism looks like as a as a teacher for example maybe it's it's changing the curriculum in a certain way or spreading a certain type of message but at, yeah. in the media what does activism look like or is there a place for it there's definitely a place for there's definitely a place for media uh, quickly just also to that other point with the media and controlling the narrative but you there are some outlets that are just ridiculous though mm-hmm. that's that it's not, I'm not going to act like there aren't outlets that are ridiculous that they put out stuff. That's just, you know, that, that pretty much just shows you, okay, these guys are kind of race. There's a lot of racially insensitive media outlets. Uh, let me, let me say that. So that, those are still out there. And that just goes with the long line of history with who owns it, who owns them because a lot of the, a lot of the people behind the scenes are, billion dollar white guys to just to be honest or the billion dollar company owned by white guys but there's definitely a place there's definitely a place in activism for media you see it with certain independent media independent media makes sense yeah yeah, yeah. also and also with media that are that are diverse you know one of the biggest issues with with media is the lack of diversity and not having not having the faces that can able that can be able to cover certain stories so if you look at certain media outlets the athletic if you look at black news the black news channel those are kind of Michael you can Michael. say you can see yeah you can say those are active activism because they don't they don't report with any type there's nothing the corporate behind them it's not going to affect what they do or right. the, the stories they could tell there because those type of outlets you know the athletic more focuses more on sports but it gets more in tune with more try to get in detail with the players but the black news networks and there's other networks like that cnn sometimes does it depending who who's covering it right, but, right, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but they have they, they have the sources they just can they can do it and you got to see the stories there's certain stories that maybe will be covered by those networks that you don't see, you know, like for instance, what just happened with uh, the young man, the young man, 
um, that they just found his body. Uh, the one I think from like the from Indiana or something like that. I forget, I forget his name. The, mm-hmm. He was he was missing. He was missing for a while, mm-hmm. and you know the, the family was looking for them, and and his story came to light because of the the young the young lady that got that went missing and they found her body and right, and, right, uh, right. And yeah. So that story kind of came along and more outlets more local outlets were pushing the district attorney to the police and right and they ended up finding that and the body the body was found and then through that through that you know just hammering they found the body and then the body was found like it was found way beforehand but the family was never informed and then they had to the family had to get second third second autopsy reports and stuff there just to find out what happened to them and the, the story behind that was gruesome but without the without the activism of the local journalists the local journalists or the local media outlets that would have never happened right like pretty much in other words the activism is in the local media not the, the national like, yeah yeah. Every, yeah everything it's it's in the local media does does more with stories than the national media just picks up everything afterwards so that's commonplace with with a lot of stuff even if you think about local state for example and you'll yeah. notice even in the political climate like it's it's your state representatives if you yeah. if if your concerns within your state then it's your state representatives who you want to be focusing on and those of course yeah. as we know have the least amount of voter turnout versus mm-hmm. like the national ones yeah yeah um, and for us we do a lot of we do a lot of work with uh with the community leaders so i think for you know we're community tv so we can we got more leeway to do certain things than other other um, news outlets but with us there's so many we help promote the activism that goes on in the community right so we and and we get the opportunity because we get to bring these people in to come in and talk to them or we go to the events to talk to talk about them and it's also it's not showing any type of bias because if if it's something that we find to be a little sketchy, we're just not, we're just not gonna do it. Of course, yeah. <clears throat> no, it makes sense, makes sense. Uh, Brother Mook, I got one question, one last question for you, man. And then we will, we will take this home. Um, I wanna read some quotes for you, if I might. Is it? Protect black women. Oh, yes. Black women are dope. You know it. Date black you see the women. shirts, right? <laughs> Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> These are all shirts you own. Uh, what's the responsibility of black men in in relation to black women? I mean, what's what message are you telling us here? Uh, and what's the responsibility of black men to themselves? You know, black men, black men get so they get they get criticized a lot. Yeah, some some warranted, some unwarranted, sure. but one of the biggest criticism is their lack of protection for black women and what happens to black women. And I just feel like as a person that, you know, I was raised by, I was raised by a lot of black women. Not not only, yeah, not only my mom, but you know, my, my cousins, you know, my friends, my friends, my mothers, you know, all that. So I feel like me personally, I just feel like I have to, stand up for them because they 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 are pretty much the most disrespected they're the most disrespected out of any group of people right. and we we seen the disrespect to them as far as the workplace 
you know, black black women, it takes forever for some don't even move up. Right. Just just because of their black women, even though they could be smarter than whoever's ahead of them, but they they don't even move up. You share the story of your mom not getting a job. Yeah. Um, Health, healthcare wise. Healthcare is huge. There's so many black women that that died because negligence from doctors. Yep. The, the the about, a, about higher pain tolerance is the, is the stereotype. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They, they they do that, and it, and in the business world too, it's just mm-hmm. like they're not taken as serious. So I think throughout history we've seen that black women are the foundation to everything. They're pro- they're probably the most the, the strongest women on earth, and they do a lot not only for themselves and not only for black men, but also any other race. Like you think about it, whenever you see somebody, whenever you see another race being, you know, being picked on or being just being a lot of blame putting on them, who stands up for them? It's, it's normally either black people or black women that'll stick up for them, no, no, no matter the situation. So I think as, as us, we should be, we, we should be more, we should protect them more. That's that's uh that's my thing. We should worry about their safety more because there's also we have these incidents of black women going missing and right. just poof going missing and nobody knows name. what happens to it, right? With, so it, without a doubt, it's, it was, it's just crazy. I seen a comment. <laughs> I seen a comment one day. <clears throat> excuse me, where somebody said. You know, you just talked about black folks stepping up in a certain way. <laughs> I seen a comment when somebody said, you know, uh, black folks are going to include themselves right out of existence, you know, be- because of how inclusive we tend to be with other communities. And there are some, uh, there are some theories on that. I mean, one might argue, and this is one I, I tend to to be in conversation with this idea that um, whiteness. If you if you accept whiteness as a state of mind, that you know folks mm-hmm. like Dr. W. E. B. Du Bois and uh, you know uh, Malcolm X and Baldwin were talking about this idea of whiteness being a state of mind, right? Then what black folks really want is whiteness, and, and not because they want to be white, right? I'm not talking about being a white person. I'm talking about mm-hmm. when you think about how the United the power, States of America the power came structure. to be, the power structure, right? And then the development of that power structure on whose backs. I'm not talking about whose land was taken, which we know were indigenous lands, right? That would be a a different conversation also worthy of having. But when you think about the, you know, 1776 and on, the formation of the United States of America really built on the backs of enslaved Africans, right? Black folks want that, right? So the sense of inclusion Mm -hmm. is, let's not rattle the boat so much where we can no longer have a piece of this pie. And really that's our pursuit of happiness is that, Mm And that's where the critique needs to be because it might be more appropriate to re- reframe that narrative, right? And so I think mm-hmm. I think you have something something powerful there. And Toni Morrison once was saying, I'm paraphrasing here, she was talking about how she cannot imagine a black woman having so much hate to where she would behave in the way that white women behaved. Like back in the day in the '60s, for example, well, she she can't imagine her a black woman spitting on a child on the school bus or getting off the school bus going to school or saying some extremely hateful things in that way. Like, you know, you're talking about black women stepping up even for other races. Yeah. It just reminded me of that. Yeah, and you could even go further than that. You know, go back to slavery. 
What happens when the white lady get mad? Right. She she right. gonna she get mad because her husband looking at the black woman. Right. It's gonna happen. She gonna right. get that get her whooped or do yep. something to her. So yeah, it, it's just you know because I was watching. Don't even ask me why I was watching Django the other day and yeah, no, I remember. Know, when they, yeah, when, it's when, in all of it. Twelve years, started. everything. Yes, it's just it's just the stuff that that happens in the world. And I mean, when when did black women get their right to vote? <laughs> uh, don't don't get me started on that because that, that right? question, right? That question is is right. The answer people want to give you is is 1920 for the 19th Amendment, but that wasn't for yeah. black women. That was for white women. Was, yeah, you know what I mean, I think so you was, told me. I think you told me about this beforehand. That that is another thing, right? <laughs> it took them forever day. to. Took them the, forever to get their right to vote. Then you got the whole affirmative action stuff, which I don't even think applied to them. It, it, listen, we can go down this road, you know, for, for sure. Uh, but we we got we got to wrap this up. Because, but but you're you're right on target. There, there was a statistic. There was this old study I saw. I can't remember the I can't remember the platform now. Uh, if I if I remember it, I'll leave the link it here or I'll send it to you personally. And it just talked about just the dating game, sort of like apps and online dating. And what you learn there is that Black women, according to the statistics, are the least desired. Um, they get the least oh. res- the least amount of responses back. Yeah. But they are uh, they lead all racial groups, men or women, in terms of of uh, of reaching out to to folks for for, for like interest. So, uh, yeah. so I'm trying to say is. Uh, black women are more likely to reach out and, and to kind of spark a relationship and and record numbers than any other race, but they're also the least desired. In other words, they get the least yeah, amount of responses yeah. in general. Right. I and so I know, what, I know what study you're talking about. I definitely heard about that one before too. Yeah, it's 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 shameful um that society paints this picture and it's definitely something that needs to call to attention. So I, I see your shirts. And we could, and then we could just move on. Fat. We could move on to probably the last ten years of. <laughs> there's a, there's a plethora of things that can't be discussed within an hour with the stuff that happened to black women. But right. yeah, it's, right. it's like it have to be like a special because we can go on and on and on, and then the lack, the lack of effort from the powers that be to even address the issue because they just brush it aside. They just brush it aside, right? Exactly. Well, Mook, Matt, <clears throat> I appreciate you being on. You know, um, sure. I think those shirts and other shirts you have and other ways you use your voice and position are wonderful examples of how you can be an activist in the media, but also educate at the same time and, and provide space for, if nothing else, a difference of opinion to, to be expressed right? and to, to honor that particular element. Uh, yeah. Oh, lastly, we, before you got out of here, I want to tell you, do you, ask, being a member of the media, do you know you need to get more... We need to we need to find a way to get more black folks in the media. I do college basketball, and let me tell you, when I go because I covered the north northeastern in Boston College, mm-hmm. northeastern I'm literally the only black male media member there. And Boston College, when I was the I've I've counted there's probably there's been probably like two or three wow. media members there. It's me and this one guy from the Boston Boston Globe that I know. It's me and him, and then I think there was like one other person, but. The wow. one time I saw more than one, more than two black media members at the Boston College game was when Duke came to town. Oh wow! Yeah. But besides yeah. that, man, it's it's bad. 
Yeah, well, that well, and and thank you for sharing that, man. We should shout out. I had it on here to make sure I, I got to it. I wanted to shout out at least the um, the National Association for Black Journalists, right? NABJ, yes, sir. Where you find yourself quite frequently. I see you in there. Yes, Isaiah Thomas, Angela Yee. You know, yeah. uh, uh, a few other. Uh, Sanaa Lathan. Sanaa Lathan. <laughs> it's in Sanaa Vegas Lathan, next year, man. It's in oh, Vegas indeed, next year. Indeed, you'll be yeah, on my side, of, my side of the coast. Yeah, uh, pull up. <laughs> I don't know, man. I got a thousand things going on. Yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll touch base. Yes, sir. We'll touch base, man. But, Mook, thanks so much for being on, brother. Hey, man, uh, appreciate it. Before I let you go, uh, where can people get in touch with you, man? Publications, websites, at social media, anything. You know, Mukala, Mukala K, Mukala underscore K, Instagram and Twitter. Those are, you'll see a lot of stuff. I post a lot of stuff there, you know. If you want to email me, I'm Kabongo, K-A-B-O-N-G-O, at lintv.org, if you want to chop it up. All that stuff. But Twitter, Instagram, I'm frequent on there. So check me out there. Fantastic, folks. Mook, again, thanks. I appreciate you. I know the time difference has you later than I am, so I appreciate you. Folks, Sherrod Robbins, Mukala Kabongo. You're on the chopping block at visceralchange.org.